And now, podcasting from a two-person hot tub high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK, Rick, and their highly paid intern, Malort. Welcome to another special edition of the E-Town Lowdown COVID-19 pandemic. Today is Tuesday, April 6th. And I have my good friend, Pamela Dunley, the president and CEO of Elmer's Memorial Hospital on the line. How are you doing today, Pam? I'm wonderful. I cannot believe I'm looking out my window and it's so pretty looking and there's greenery on the trees and we had such a beautiful weekend. I hope you had a great weekend. Yeah, it's a wonderful day. I did. Did you, did you do anything outside over the weekend? Just played with the grandkids, had them over for Easter dinner. That was fun. And you like to uh, have a big spread, right? So I'm sure you did. Oh, yes, we did. We ate a lot of food, much more than we should have. <laughs> Isn't that the case with all of us? So we haven't spoken for a couple weeks. So could you give us an update on uh, how many COVID patients you have and what's going on in the area? Absolutely. So um, I think the last time we talked... COVID was going up a little bit, then it went back down. Well, we're going back up a little bit. So last week, I mean, not last week, last time we talked, uh, we had 16 positive patients with one on event, um, and we had zero people waiting. And this week we have 21 positive patients with one on event and two awaiting results um, of their COVID screening. So potentially could have 23 positive patients. Um, in terms of deaths, we've, it's going to sound a little odd, but we had 174 deaths last time. We have 169 deaths this time. So how does that happen? Well, we were, um, the county has redefined how we define COVID deaths, and so we have less COVID deaths than we thought, which is always nice to know. So it doesn't mean those five people didn't die. They just didn't die from COVID. Um, DuPage County last time had 80,121 positive cases. Now they have 83,031. And their deaths went from 1,308 up to 1,321. And the state went from 1,230,000 positive cases to 1,260,000 positive cases with deaths going from 23,379 up to 23,665. And for the good news, we went from 1,618 discharges to 1,646 discharges, which is uh, a little over 30 um, additional discharges, which is nice. And we still have a 97% recovery rate. I do want to say that we are seeing um, an increase in positive people coming to the hospital um, and getting admitted. And it was really nice when we were down around 10, 11, 12 COVID patients. So being back up in the 20s makes us very nervous here. Are there theories about why that may be? Well, there's a belief, and from what we're talking to people, that it is uh, a result of St. Patrick's Day. And a lot of younger people being out and they're not vaccinated yet. And so, you know, as the weather gets warmer or people have spring fever and they're gathering together and there's less social distancing, um, less masking, there's just an increase. And, you know, there is um, new variants that are more um, 
contagious, and so we know there's quite a, quite a bit in the Illinois area, even though we don't test for the variant, we've been told. So I think it's a variety of things. Do you think that um, schools being back in session in person to some degree and, and school athletics being uh, started up again, do you think that's contributing also? Well, it could be, but we're not really seeing it connected to the classroom or to the sports at this point. So, you know, it could be, but it's more of the other, the social gatherings. So have you had any patients yet at the hospital who were fully vaccinated and have had a serious case of COVID subsequent to being fully vaccinated? No, we have not seen any fully vaccinated patients who ended up getting hospitalized for COVID after having been fully vaccinated. Uh, You know, as I told you before, we did have seven employees that had been fully vaccinated that did get COVID across the whole system. And those seven that got it did not um, have any severe symptoms at all. They were very mild symptoms and they had been caring for uh, a loved one who had COVID and, and, they mistakenly thought that they were not susceptible and did not mask while they were caring for a loved one with COVID. And that really is a lot of what the uh, vaccines do, right? Is they don't necessarily prevent you from getting it, but they prevent you from getting a bad case of it, if that's the right way of looking at it? Correct. Like 95% effective in terms of not getting it, but 5% will get it, but they will get a mild case. And that's, you know, much better than not getting a vaccine and getting a, potentially getting a case that is severe and you end up getting hospitalized and, and or passing away. So has there been an increase in the percentage of staff that's been vaccinated since we last spoke? I think when we last spoke, we were at 70% and we are still at 70%, but we still work at trying to help people understand. And, and, um, and I think when and if we ever get to Johnson and Johnson vaccine, that this number will go back up again. Do you think that um, it appears that it's mostly non-medical professionals that are choosing not to get it, or is it more on the medical professional side? I think it's a combination. Uh, I think a lot of our young nurses are, you know, thinking about getting pregnant or are pregnant, and even though you, it's safe during pregnancy, they're worried, um, and I think a lot of our young people also don't want to have to have two vaccines. They want one, but it, it's, you know, it's a combination. It's a lot of our other employees that are not um, clinically oriented or medically oriented, but our support, they um, too have misinformation, and we've been using our physicians to help educate them. A lot of the questions I hear out in the community relate to side effects with the vaccines. And I I know I've asked you a lot about that in the past, and I'm going to continue to ask you questions. And I know you don't have answers to all of it, but are there any patterns? Like, for instance, I've heard that people who have suffered from at least a moderate case of COVID at one time or another might be more likely to have side effects. I don't know if that's true. Can you, can you address that for one? Um, it's all based on the individual's response. I don't think having had COVID really predicts whether you'll have more of a response to the vaccine or not. You might say if you had a mild case of COVID, you would have less of a, uh, a response to the vaccine because you already built up some immunities yourself. So I don't think there's any proof either way and there's not been any patterns, um, but the side effects are 
somewhat mild. They're usually chills, weakness, muscle aches, um, but nothing like difficulty breathing or anything that would make you uh, more uncomfortable for more than a couple, 24 to 48 hours. How about um, side effects after a first dose versus after a second dose? Is it more common to get those side effects after a second dose? Well, I've heard anecdotally from a lot of people they think that's true, but there has not been anything that shows that that's true. It's really still, again, strictly dependent on the individual. So no no way to predict, basically. It's just a matter of kind of uh, chance, right? Chance, who you are and how you handle the stuff and how your body responds. So if somebody does test positive for COVID and they've already received their their first shot of either Pfizer or Moderna, should they still get their second shot on the regular schedule or should they not get it at all? Or do they need to wait until they're not contagious anymore? So the standard information that the CDC has passed on for this is that if you turn up positive after having gotten your first dose before you get your second dose, you should wait for your second dose till at least a minimum of 10 days after you, the onset of symptoms or the um, if you had no symptoms the day you were tested and that you're starting to feel better. So if you're still really sick, you don't want to get it. But once you start feeling better, you want to at least have it be 10 days after your start of symptoms. And then you can get your second dose. And um, it seems to be just as effective as if they never had it when they get their second dose? Well, it should be just as effective, yes, as okay. as if they never had COVID in between. It will produce the more long-lasting immunity. Remember, there's some limited immunity if you get COVID for a while, uh, you know, after you've had COVID, but it's not as strong an immunity as the vaccine produces. So you will have that extra strength and extra longer immunity if you get that second dose. Great. Can you give us an update on how many vaccinations the... Uh health system has administered either, you know, first vaccines or people fully vaccinated? So the total number of vaccines that we have, injections that we have given, are 64,075. Of that, first dose vaccines are 38,498. And the total number of people who have been fully vaccinated are 25,577. And at Elmhurst, we have vaccinated... 6,184 of our employees out of the 8,835 employees we have. Wow. Can you give us an idea of what your short-term supply of the vaccine is, you know, either this week, next week, last week? Well, we're using up our supply. We're awaiting our next week's allocation. We don't know what they are yet. And um, so we have enough to do first and second dose for our, how much we have at the clinic right now, but it's still very, very limited. So you're really not getting what you would hope to get? Not yet. <laughs> and and how about Johnson & Johnson? What Do you have any more information about when you might get that? No, we are waiting anxiously, but nothing has come forward to date. Do you think that some of that delay has been because there have been problems with it getting... I don't know if it got ruined, some of the some of the um, vaccine. Did you hear that? Yes, I, I heard that in their plant in the United States, there was another 
uh, vaccine company working in the same plant and they accidentally mixed up the ingredients between the two and so those were all ruined. But I don't know that the fact that we're not getting any is related to that. I would imagine because their supply is shortened that it might be. But, you know, there is still other supply out there that has come to, to this country. And other places are getting the Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Cook County's gotten it. I've, I've heard of other places around here that have gotten it. So I'm not sure why we haven't gotten any. There's been a lot of people uh, mentioning that they've gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. And I don't know if that's really true or not. I know it is in my case, but do you think that some of that weight gain might be as a result of anxiety and depression and not just the fact that people are at home closer to the refrigerator? Well, I think it probably is a variety of things, but uh, many people which have gained weight, they call it the COVID-15. So I don't know if you've gained 15 pounds, but that's what they're calling it, COVID-15. And um, common reasons why this happens is, first of all, boredom. You know, you're, you have nothing else to do, so you have more time to cook and, you're, and eat at home. And you're also less concerned about your appearance because you're not out there publicly. And you're wearing more leisure clothes and not fitted clothes, you know, that, are, that could tell you that you might be putting on a pound or two. Uh, the other thing, though, is when people are anxious or depressed or they're, they're um, you know, they want to soothe themselves. A lot of people develop an unhealthy relationship with food, and they do things such as binge on food to relieve their anxiety. I know, you know, sometimes I don't eat sweets in general, but if I'm really nervous and there's sweets around, I might have some sweets. I guess that's how I feel fill my anxiety. Um, but, you know, then you feel depressed, and then you feel shame and guilt, and then you do it again because you're trying to feel better and it's a vicious cycle. And, um, and then some people even develop things that become an eating disorder. So they, because they're feeling guilty, they now start doing purging behaviors like uh, eating a lot and then making themselves throw up. So purging. And this can become a really bad health issue and concern. So there's, you know, mild weight gain is something that is, you can easily change your behaviors and get rid of, but if it becomes a disorder, you need to seek some help. Uh, just for your audience to know, or for everybody out there in the community to know, if they go on Healthy Driven Chicago, we did do a, um, a talk around achieving your weight loss goals. That's what it's titled if you want some information. And there's a whole list of different things that you can do that can help you kick off your weight loss. And then if you want some assistance, we do have some different programs. We have our Endeavor Health and Weight Management Program. We also have a Jumpstart Your Health um, program that's a lifestyle balance. That's a virtual program that helps you look at your whole lifestyle and how to balance yourself and lose weight. It was initially, initially a program that was developed by the CDC for people who were at risk to become diabetics. And so it helped to prevent you from becoming a diabetic by changing your lifestyle and your eating habits. And then it got adapted to, uh, be, to be for more holistic for all risks to people, whether it's heart disease risks or any other kind of risk you might have, and, and to help you develop a lifestyle changes that help you maintain healthy weight and healthy behaviors that help decrease diabetes, uh, heart disease, and, um, you know, wear and tear on your joints, et cetera. So if anybody's interested, they can just go on our website 
or they could call 331-221-6100 um, and they can get information from there and register for any class or 630-527-6363. I know you probably don't have any any actual empirical data, but do you have a sense for healthcare professionals' level of anxiety, depression over this last year as it relates to a, a typical year? I can tell you that um, the sense of anxiety and stress and being overwhelmed in healthcare professionals is probably at the highest it's ever been. And that has to do with a lot of things because remember, healthcare workers have families, they are part of society, yet they have to be in managing this illness at the same time that they're worried about their loved ones at home. And so it's been a lot of stress on people. Um, just trying to figure out how to put, constantly being put on and off uh, protective equipment. So you, you think it's a problem to wear a mask. Well, just imagine if you have to get into a big suit every time you go into a room and then take it off and then put it back on. It's just a lot of extra energy and stress and, and fear that goes along with uh, managing through this whole pandemic. I, I think here at this organization we're really blessed that we have had the support of our behavioral health hospital. They've sent um, healing teams over to the hospital to work with our staff. And so we've had them available through the whole crisis. And now we have one uh, full-time position at each hospital uh, uh, called an employee support coordinator who is a psychologist who is just available to help our staff, whether it's individual discussions, um, any kind of group work, uh, bringing in all kinds of um, soothing activities for the staff, so whether it's massage therapy, Reiki therapy, guided imagery, just during the day to help and the night to help the staff uh, manage and balance their life and, and start more healthy, well activities. I think, you know, as a system, we're going to have to do that all for the next year at least, focus on re-energizing our staff because this has been a really long difficult year and I imagine it has been for other organizations but for healthcare in particular it's been very very difficult. Well I'm not a medical professional but my advice is if they have a break and it's in the middle of the day the weather's nice you have a beautiful campus over there get outside sit on a bench or take a walk around the hospital campus because uh, it is soothing and uh, very very beautiful. Well, thank you, and I agree with you 100%. Getting outside and having fresh air and walking and getting a little of that vitamin D, which we know also protects you against COVID, uh, is the best thing that you could possibly do. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us again this week. We missed you last week, and uh, that was uh, my scheduling problem, but uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. You too, and you have a great week, and enjoy this wonderful weather. I will. Thank you. The E-Town Lowdown, brought to you by the wonderful folks at the Elmhurst Armpit Orchestra, featuring the biggest bass drum in the world at nine feet in diameter. Yes, you heard that right, nine feet in diameter. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.